once in a month, and better it be when the moon be full. This is Witching Around, the podcast which explores and celebrates modern day paganism and the community within. We are your hosts, Regan Shanti, a solitary eclectic pagan, a researcher, workshop leader and author. And Jenny Cartledge, hedge druid, writer, academic and speaker. Every month we discuss different aspects of the pagan path and speak to others in the community for their insight and expert knowledge. Hello, happy in bulk. By the time this comes out, it will be in bulk. Yes. Happy in bulk. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so quite thematic, actually, that we're coming out on a Sabbath because we're talking about the Wheel of the Year today. And and our lovely book by Rebecca Beatty, who will be joining us on the podcast today. Yes. Uh, Secondly, happy birthday. (laughs) to both of us oh yes yes do you know what <laughs> i had to mention, to mention this and then completely flew the coop so yes yes her jenny will have turned 35 on the 31st of january and i'll be following shortly on the 5th of february Woo-hoo. yes so happy birthday to us we're getting old yes yes so the book yes very excited to have uh, Rebecca Beatty join us on the podcast this time um, I had been eyeing up um, it was a very good excuse to buy a book basically um, not that I really need excuses to buy books as you know me um, but yes this book I've I've picked up some Wheel of the Year books in the past and some of them have been a bit hit and miss yeah, um, whereas this one as we will discuss uh, with Rebecca is really interesting there's lots of little bits in between that you can do lots of little you know tasks and exercises and stuff and yeah one of my favorite ones which I hope isn't giving giving away too much from the book it's a, it's it's not fiction Jenny it's fine um <laughs> but <laughs> one of my favorite bits in the book and I'll probably mention this again later is the inspiration book idea that she has um, yes, I thought that was a pretty good one. Yeah, we have a notebook uh, or a folder and just uh, put in little bits and pieces that inspire you, whether it's poems or pictures or things that you come across. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something I will be putting into my practice. Um, that's very That was very interesting to me. I really like that. So how do you get on with the Wheel of the Year, Regan? Um as in the book or the general concept of it? As in the general concept of it, because I don't know if you're like me, but I am rubbish um, when it comes to actually celebrating uh, Sabbaths of the Wheel. I, I kind of do it in my own way, I suppose, rather than the actual, you know, full set ritual things. But how about you? Uh, no, I'm pretty terrible at it as well. I mean, I was, I think a big part of it is the fact that because wicca and paganism in general isn't very mainstream it's still very much on the fringe so like christmas is really easy to celebrate because it's a secular holiday as well these days and halloween kind of as well and then you get to stuff like in bulk um, midsummer solstice and all that and it's much harder to do because you don't automatically have the time set aside to do it that's my excuse anyway but i'm also just the most unorganized person in the world and i (laughs) And it's got increasingly more difficult now that I have a toddler because 
like I'm lucky that we're able to record right now with him not in the room. He's he's upstairs with with his dad. But yeah, otherwise he's just constantly on me. So, <laughs> Welcome I mean, to I have been... around where we are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. This is this is supposed to be a, a space where we can kind of tell other witches, you know, it's fine if you're not constantly on it. It's fine. It's what's in your heart that counts. Oh, absolutely. And you know that I am the strongest advocate of, you know, everyone's different. You know, you don't have to do everything, full rituals every single Sabbath. Um, exactly. And then also, we <laughs> clearly, some... we don't do. <laughs> yes. And then also, we'll have some listeners who don't observe the Wheel of the Year as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and if you do celebrate something that's, that's Wheel of the Year ish and you feel the pressure of, you know, trying to do something for every single Sabbath on the exact same dates. Don't worry about it, because not ever, hardly anybody does. I would imagine. You know, a lot of it will f- need to fit around schedules. A lot of it will depend on how people celebrate the seasons as well, because you know, in the way that our seasons have been going in the last few years, which has not been lining up with any date whatsoever, um, it's. You know, it's it's a lot more difficult, you know. Um, I think I, one of my friends on Facebook showed that snowdrops up somewhere already. Really? Um, and I think, yeah, it was right at the beginning of the year, uh, mm. down in Glastonbury, actually. Um, there were some snowdrops up already, and it's just sort of like, you know, the the earth doesn't know what, <laughs> what season it is anymore. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that you're not celebrating on the 1st or the 2nd of February or whenever is absolutely fine celebrate it when it's when you feel the need when when it calls to you i suppose yeah um, and um actually that's something that rebecca talks about in her book as well where she talks about how you may not have your celebration fall on the day of it might not be practical especially if you're working with the coven and then yeah definitely like weekend after or something yeah definitely um you know there's just so many things out there in the world that just get in the way you know whether it is children whether it is you know cats because i just saw one (laughs) yes yes delma's come to join me today (laughs) you know whether it's health concern if you're not feeling well and don't do it it's and again you don't have to do huge things it can just be you go and sit in your garden for a bit and just observe what's happening at that particular Hmm. season things like that as well so yeah there's definitely a lot that you can do and um yeah the the book rachel's uh rachel rebecca's book is amazing uh, with lots of little ideas of things that you can do that aren't necessarily the full-blown ritual. So I would, I for one, would recommend it. Um, yes, I would too. Alone, even, really. Yeah, even if you're not Wiccan, it's still, it's. I mean, like neither of us are Wiccan, really. And no. it's, it's, um, it's a nice way to kind of get yourself back onto the path if you're kind of not feeling it at the moment. Yeah, and definitely. Give you, like, small little ideas. I would include stuff about like mulling, um drinks and and like to welcome the uh, the coming of the sun which i thought was really nice and i had every intention of doing it last year and then it didn't happen <laughs> i bought all the Hell stuff yeah. and then i didn't do it i've just opened it i've just flicked through and i've just opened it on uh midsummer which has got one of my favorite bits of uh pagan poetry that we have adapted which is the um bit from rudyard kipling's uh Pick of Puck Hill. Yes, yeah. 
came across that last night in a very different aspect as well so that's that's very interesting there's just so much in this book it's so good and uh yeah i can't wait to talk to rebecca to uh learn about it some more yes (laughs) so i will add that so to those listeners we are lonely come and join the conversation do do talk to us on uh we're on facebook we're on twitter so just come come find us on a witches podcast or just search witching around and you'll should you should find us and we could use some reviews as well like leave us some reviews on spotify would be nice <laughs> like, we'd like yes, to hear how you're us. enjoying the podcast and even if you're not enjoying the podcast let us know um <laughs> Let us yes. know what we can do differently. Um, or if there's anyone that you'd like to hear on the podcast, let us know and we can see what we can do. Um, or anything that you want to hear us talk about, you know, at the beginning. Um, again, let us know and we can see what we can do. Yes. And yeah, we're, yes, we do enjoy constructive feedback. We could do that. And actually on that note, I will say that if I do sound a little bit weird, it's because I have a cold. Because it's the beginning of term and I I have a child and I work with children. So inevitably I'm now sick. I thought I just, I just mentioned that now. Yes. <laughs> but yes, enough of that. Let's let's move on to the interview. Okay. Yes. So we are being joined by author Rebecca Beatty. And we'll let you do the introduction. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your path? Oh, that's a, a caught me on the hop with that question. Uh, my path is I always describe my path as being dual. It's a it's a two uh, two pronged path. So I am a um, Gardnerian initiate, um, member of a coven for the last um, long times, 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. Um, but I also identify a solitary practitioner as well, which I think is a um, of equal importance to me. So I would probably describe that as solitary witchcraft. Um, that tends to be the you know if we're if we're using labels, then witchcraft tends to be the where I land if I'm uh, um, if I'm self-identifying. Definitely pagan through and through um everything for me revolves around nature so that's that's the strongest element that comes through in in all of that is that connection to the the natural world so your book um that came out uh, in october wheel of the year which uh me and regan have been you know going through and reading and i love it i think it's fantastic how did the book come about? Was it? <laughs> that's always my first was response. It, it it's you, you've enjoyed it. That's that's a, really good, <laughs> that's a good place to start we enjoyed from it. because I'm always slightly kind of like, oh, is it? Is it? How's it going to be received? Sorry, I'll let you finish the question. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, how did the book come about? And is it because of, like you said, n- uh, nature is such an intrinsic part of your path? Is it because of that connection to nature that the book came about? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's it. The book began. Um, so there's a, there's a few things that the book was conceived last year. Um, but it's probably earlier than that. In fact, um, I started when I began. Let me rewind completely because I'm. You know, when you think, where do we start? Where do we start? I'll start from the beginning. So when I first discovered modern paganism as a path and realised. Ah, that's the label I 
put on all these things I'd been feeling and trying to work my uh, head around since childhood, but not really getting getting to grips with. So it was all began when I uh, landed in London um, in the um, early part around the millennium, I would say. And I had started reading books on paganism and trying to work out what my path was and where it was going to go and um, got to the end of the how-to books and kind of thought, okay, I need a teacher now. Where do I start? And put out a little call, as you do. I sat on a rock in Cornwall and put a call out to the universe and said, I need a teacher now. Can you send me a teacher? And as these things happen, it duly did. Um, and it was when I started studying Wicca as a path that I learned about the Wheel of the Year and I was taught um you know by my teacher all the things that she was taught by her teacher about the wheel of the year and then fast forwarding a few years later um so I must have been about 15 years into my coven uh career at this point and I started teaching classes in London this is before the the uh pandemic hit and um, I began teaching classes in London for, for the younger generations that were coming up through at that point who were looking for something. They were wanting to explore witchcraft. They wanted to know more about it and, and kind of ground their practice in some um, knowledge-based stuff and experiential stuff. So I started teaching Wheel of the Year and I taught that for... I still teach it. It's It's a topic I still teach and, and we still explore um and then come the kind of end of well it's not really the end of the pandemic is it we're still in it but but once a lot of the dust had settled from the initial parts of covid i'd actually relocated back to my home county in devon and last year i kind of had this these goals that i wanted to fulfill during the year and one of them was writing a book on the wheel of the year um however my publisher that i used to work with or or still do from time to time which is moon books um had already commissioned a friend of mine to write a book on wheel of the year lucia starza um so I was kind of stuck with this thing where I was thinking, OK, really want to write that book, but Lucy is already doing it. Um, so I'll just park this for a while and go back to teaching because I'm always a firm believer that if you hit a resistance point at any at any time, the thing to do is to follow the path of least resistance. So I kind of thought, OK, writing about the Wheel of the Year is clearly not for now. Let's just pause that and um, I'll come back to it. At a, at a different time so Julie went off and carried on teaching classes and and the way that that uh, I love the way we have serendipitous things that just happen um, in one of my classes I was chatting to one of my students who'd been coming into the classes for a while and um, she suddenly popped up one day and she said I've got a friend who's a commissioning editor who wants a book on wheel of the year hasn't decided yet who is the best person to write it but I think it needs to be you are you interested and at that point I was kind of like yes whose arm do I have to chew off to write this thing because it's you know it's itching to come out it did I'd already been thinking about what I wanted to do if I was writing a book on the wheel 
Um, and then it just kind of unfolded from there. So I met the editor, um, Elliot and Thompson, who are my publisher. And um, the publisher isn't a pagan publisher. So this is the first time I've operated outside of the pagan world. I've, up until now, I've been very, um, I don't know if insular is the right word, but I've been very, very much contained within the pagan community, which is fabulous. Uh, but this was my first foray into trying to explain this thing for a non-pagan readership as well as the pagan readers that I knew would would be interested in reading it too. So it was it was a fast process. I had eight weeks to write it in, which was a bit scary because uh, you know books need a bit longer than that. Um, but because I'd been wow. teaching and because I'd been thinking about this book for for you know a while before, I won't say it landed fully formed because it didn't. There was a lot of work that went into it, but I already had an idea that I wanted to include a bit of the history. I wanted to include how this is an archetypal thing. It's it's an international thing, not just um, not just British and not just pagan community, but all sorts of you know, humans across the, the globe have been celebrating these archetypal kind of um, wheel of the year points under different names for millennia. So uh, that's the, the kind of bit I wanted to to bring in, really. Yeah, I did love that about the book, I have to say. Yes, oh, I do like the extra <laughs> stuff. And also, as someone from an Indian background, it was quite nice seeing a few mentions of the Sort of different Hindu ceremonies around yeah. those times as well. Just like, oh yeah, it's not it's not really reflected all that much in uh, a lot of Western pagan writing. Uh, so, um, one thing that uh, Jenny and I were talking about prior to the interview about what we loved about the book is just all the practical exercises you can try, so like the rituals and then the small little things you can do. Um, are they from your personal path? Are they curated from other people, or it's there, mostly you know, the Bit of, bit of um, mostly from my own path, um, mostly from my teaching, actually. Uh, when I was teaching workshops, well, I, st I still teach workshops at Treadwells in Bloomsbury, um, except we're doing it remotely now. Um, so every workshop that I taught, when prior to the pandemic, I was always teaching in person in, in Treadwells in the basement. And... I always like to encourage people to get their hands dirty. I always think there's a we we often get quite blocked as as humans around our own creative urges and our own practical nature. And for me, which crafting, it's the crafting part that that really drew me in. I was somebody that wanted to work with herbs and oils and and really make stuff. So one of the things I always did was in the workshops in, in the basement in person, we would always have lecture part first that talked about history and where things came from and how they developed and how you might celebrate it. And then we'd actually do a thing. So it would either be making a spell or a bath salt or, a you know, holding a little ritual for um, the Sabbath or doing something, because I think it's so difficult to get from in when you're learning the path is new it's so difficult to get from being on the page to lifting it into your actual living experience and doing it and um one of the things that people often talk about feeling when they're when they're starting out is that fear of getting things wrong 
and the fear of messing up. And I always think, but that's where the magic is. When you start making mistakes, that's where we learn our best things, really. So it was important for me that the book had practical things. And because I've been somebody that um, has a very practical part of the path, that's where most of those exercises came from. That echoes so much what uh, I do talks at Witch Fest and things. And one of the things I always put out is that paganism, and I never listen to this enough myself, uh, paganism is an experiential religion. It is getting your hands dirty. It is doing things. And there's always that thing at the beginning where you don't do spells because you either fear you're going to do them wrong, but also from my perspective, it's also you fear that they're going to go right and you don't quite know what to do if they do go right as well. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, the fear of fear of success is often one of the things, isn't it, that we're yeah, definitely. grappling with because there's that element of when I've done spell crafting in my own life, um, some of the results have been quite dramatic and when it happens, um, it's quite scary, isn't it, because you get this yeah. whoosh. It's a bit like, you know, I wanted to write a book on Wheel of the Year and did a did a thing for it and whoosh, off it goes. And it's like, okay, but you've got eight weeks to write it in. You know, there are... Here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thankfully, it actually manifested and, and became a real thing. But it is it is that that kind of element, isn't it, where you sort of think, gosh, what happens if it does happen? What am I going to do if it does happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me that has these feelings. No, you know? no, no, no. It's quite nice to talk to other people. <laughs> I, I think there was um, uh, Doreen Valiente wrote a poem, I think, about the, the fear of the, the thing working. So I think, you know, it's something witches have been grappling with for for generations, really, where you kind of think, OK, I think this is what I want. And I, I did used to say that to, to students in workshops. I'd often say, you know, be be careful what you wish for because it will it will come through. It's just sometimes the universe will deliver it with a bit of a flourish and a kick in the pants while it does it. So you'll you'll find that you get what you wanted, but there'll be a twist to it or a you know a big dollop yeah. of humour that comes with it as well. <laughs> so you've talked a little bit already about uh, coming to Wicca um, and sort of that that being your path what was it that brought you to look at paganism as a whole to begin with I think it was my love of nature that that did it I think um my um initially I came I came so I grew up on Dartmoor so I grew up in the middle of you know this massive national park where you were surrounded by nature and I lived in a really small village where nothing ever happened and there was nobody around and the nearest neighbours were quite some distance away. Um, was always desperate to get out of my village and was convinced that the adventures were out in the world and not on Dartmoor um, and consequently also had this idea from the age of seven, I think it's the the kids from fame that did it for me, um, had this idea that I wanted to be an actor. And that's what I was, you know, that's what I was working towards. My life path was acting. Um, so I went off um, aged about 18, left, left the moors, left the village, went off to kind of in search of adventure, went off to university, did a degree in drama became a professional actor through many twists and turns and um you know 
strange things that happen along the way. But then spent about five years working as an actor, realising it wasn't making me happy. I was getting, you know, there's a lot of rejection in that world. At that time, um, most of the work I was getting was unpaid. It was people not treating me very nicely. It was kind of a bit of a bit of a scary time, which we now know as Saturn returns, you know, at the end of your, when you get towards your mid to late 20s and Saturn comes back round into your birth chart at the point where it was when you were born and all hell breaks loose and you start questioning things. Um, and I started questioning whether this was really the life for me, whether acting was fulfilling me because I had this massive creative urge and nowhere to put it because I was always waiting for someone to say, here's the acting job. We you know, here's the part we'd like you to do that now. Um, so my last acting job last, I think it was probably the last and only paid acting job I did was doing a school's tour of Macbeth in the home counties. And it coincided with the end of a significant relationship um, that had been, you know, deeply important to me for about five years. Uh, the end of friendships that had revolved around that relationship, the, you know, lots of endings were happening. And when I was on the schools tour doing Macbeth, we were staying in farmhouses out in the countryside and I was walking in nature every day and, and realising that that's what had been missing in my life when I was in London you know, I was in a very urban setting and hadn't had a daily practice in nature at that time. And I was feeling really cut off. And then I met my now best friend who also um, identifies as pagan if you push her to, but she doesn't like labels. So, um, but she's, you know, she's, she's a pagan, practicing pagan, solitary um, and she introduced me to crystals and, and oracle cards. And this was kind of like a new, fairly new thing for me at the time. Um, she'd say to me, OK, before we leave the house, choose a crystal and choose an oracle card for the day and see how that feels. And then we'd go on these um, strange days out in, in towns where we'd be performing Macbeth. And then in our lunch break, we'd go and find the pagan shop because there's always a pagan shop somewhere in every town, isn't there? Um, and and I, I started to see these things and think, ah, this is, this feels a bit like coming home to me. This is, it's, it's new, but it's old. It's, you know, it's a, a new experience, but it's the closest thing I have to my childhood, which was, you know, spent largely sitting on a rock in the middle of Dartmoor chatting to the universe about various things. Um, and so I knew I was pagan from that point. I kind of knew that, okay, this is this is the the world view that I want to explore. This is the world I want to live in where I'm connected to nature all the time. And it's a bit like having your finger in the, the electrical socket, isn't it? Because you get this kind of bursts of energy that come and um and then that would enable the creative stuff to start coming through so I started exploring paganism and in particular the reason I say I started ex um, exploring solitary witchcraft initially was because of my love of working with herbs and oils and you know I was fascinated with as a child I used to produce 
bottles of what I would call perfume that I'd give to my mum, which was basically weeds in stream water that I'd found in the garden and it smelt of wee and it was horrible. But it was it was that interaction with nature that that I needed and loved. And for me, the solitary witchcraft path became the the logical point because it because of that working with herbs and oils and crystals and you know being able to really play again that play time that we all lack I think in modern life I like that never thought about it as pagan playtime before yeah <laughs> sparkly to me it's sparkly mud pies it's like you know get your wellies on and get okay. out and and start seeing what you find and what you can play with that's oh, my definitely. that's my um I think my motivation I'm just a big kid <laughs> It definitely does help your your childish side out when you're when you're sort of experimenting with the past. Definitely, definitely, and we often find our our life's purpose. If you like, we all go around saying, "I don't know what my life's purpose is. Why am I here?" We often find it's linked to what we found joy in as children. You know, it's those things that we love to love to do and and pass the time of day with as kids. So sometimes you just have to rediscover what it was you loved when you were small. So um, going back to the book and also talk about your path as well, is there a particular Sabbath that you love to celebrate? And if so, was that the easiest chapter to write or did you find that one the most challenging? That's a really good question. I It's a bit like saying which one's your favourite child. I like all of them <laughs> a bit. I, you know, I love all of them. I think the one that I'm most closely attached to is Samhain that's my uh you know Halloween Samhain um is my main one and that's partly because when I when I came to my initiatory path I was um I'd suffered quite a significant grief um up into you know in the in the lead up to initiation I'd lost my mum in the last few years um, and Samhain for me was this point where um, I got to kind of funnel that grief somewhere. I got to kind of really um, spend some time with it and honour it and also invite her into our circle. Because we was in my tradition, we always have this moment where in in Samhain circles where we bring our ancestors in, we invite them in to, to join with us. So I think that's probably why I love that one particularly because it gives us that ancestral link um was it the hardest one to write always because I think when you care about something there's always there's always that element isn't there where you want to do it justice and the other thing that I've found about the wheel of the year is that every year that I celebrate the wheel of the year that you know I mean it's now um, probably about 20 years maybe since I started this thing um, each year you go a bit deeper so each each time you celebrate one of the the sabbats your experience of it is slightly different than the year before so I, I kind of think the wheel is actually more of a spiral than a wheel because we go deeper and deeper each time or we get a different aspect of it and in my coven um, group, what we do is we take it in turns to write a ritual each year. So we get a different person's perspective on on the, the Sabbath each time. Um, 
and it's a real test of how closely you're interlinked as a working group because you I always get this thing where when I receive the 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 written ritual each year I look at my lines that I have to learn and I sort of think how did they know how did they know that that's what I'm going through at the moment because we're all kind of linked and um we're all plugged into the same circuit and experiencing our own version of something that's a similar theme so um yeah I always I always think there's so much to say about each Sabbath sometimes it's hard to know when to hold back as well so you can't possibly write everything you know in one book and it, it would spoil it if you did because you would sort of be it would be too tangled do you ever struggle to maintain Sabbath celebrations or any ritual celebrations that frequently. we have throughout the year? Yeah, frequently. As as I think, one of the things that I'll often um, talk about quite openly is the crap witch syndrome that we all, <laughs> that we all have, this big stick that we like to beat ourselves with from time to time. I think if you're a member of an active coven, it's much easier to to celebrate the wheel of the year because you've got a there's a you know you've got a calendar of dates that you know that you're going to meet with your coven and um, and you're going to celebrate them. We often don't meet on the actual day; we meet at the weekend nearest, and that sometimes is a bit bit you know difficult for people to get their heads around. Okay, well, does it still work if you're not doing it on the actual day? It does. Um, the other thing is, I think when you're on your own and you're busy, because we're all doing our various things, aren't we? If you've got day jobs, you're doing your day job or, you know, whatever's going on in your life. If you've got kids or you've got family or there's stuff happening all the time, we're busy, busy, busy. And sometimes you're just not in the mood on the right day. So you might get to the actual thing and think, oh, gosh, it's, you know, it's, it's the summer solstice and I should be at Stonehenge with everybody else looking at the sunrise, but I'm just tired and I want to go back to bed. Um, you know, so I think I think we all have to find our own happy medium in all of this. I always think a ritual can be as simple as just lighting a candle and doing a little thank you, that's it. Or it can be a full-blown, you know, ritual where you're performing parts and I I don't think the universe is so one of the good things about not being monotheistic is that I don't believe in the in the worldview that says the deity is something that judges us if we do stuff wrong um you know I think I think modern paganism in particular our gods are not ones who judge and they're not ones who um will beat you over the stick if you don't beat yourself hard enough you know it's kind of like there is that element to which I think we're all human and we do the best we can at the time we can and sometimes you've just got to acknowledge that this year it might just be lighting a candle or even just acknowledging okay today's the the summer solstice and I'm not going to get to do it um or you know just just being consciously aware that it's there sometimes is enough I think I'm always very much a believer that that let's stop giving ourselves a hard time as much as possible because there's enough in the world um yeah to struggle with isn't there without struggling with yourself you're completely speaking my language um that's all (laughs) the same stuff that I say in my talks and it's fantastic to hear someone else say it um one of the things I have 
always beating myself up with and I have had friends you know pagan friends pull me up on it constantly is the word should I should be doing something yeah yeah there aren't any shoulds it's you know you only should be doing something if you want to do it you know it's not my best friends my best friend the one that introduced me to crystals and oracle cards has uh, her favorite saying is stop shooting all over yourself it's a dirty habit <laughs> <laughs> so, so i was thinking when i say should i hear myself and i've, I've got her voice in my head going stop shooting stop shooting it's not good well i'll now have your voice in my head saying that when i say that <laughs> <laughs> exactly i also feel like if you're doing something just because uh, because you have you think oh well it's this day I should do this yeah it, it becomes less about your path and more about being performative yes kind of just takes oh, it yeah. away absolutely yeah yes, absolutely. No, I completely agree with that as well yeah. yeah it's better to feel something authentically isn't it than than to just give it lip service I think you know Definitely. So on that note, actually, are there any celebrations you do outside of the wheel of the year if you think, oh, you know, it's a Tuesday, I feel like doing this? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, full moons always, you know, again, I, I might not do a a formal full moon ritual, but I'll always acknowledge it. I always, I'm always looking at what the moon's doing, what the phases are currently, um, you know, so I, th- I think there's there's with nature the the lovely thing with the wheel is it's one model isn't it it's one way of looking at the natural world but but there's also the daily practice of just being in nature and I think for me my daily practice I mean one of the things having the furry furry person lying on the on the sofa behind me is is that she gets me out into nature every day because I'm obviously going out to walk her uh, although I used to walk every day, even before I had her. Um, so there's something in the almost daily practice, isn't there, of just observing what's going on and and spending time acknowledging it, really. So it doesn't have to be the formal Sabbaths. It's it's also the the sort of daily practice of, of just spending time in nature. So this podcast goes out um, in... February obviously it will come out just after uh after Emil just after Emil or on Emil actually yeah how are you planning on celebrating uh that Sabbath if you are um for me Emil is one of those really liminal Sabbaths it's it's quite a um it's it's quite a a transitional time isn't it because we've got this promise of spring but not quite we're not quite in there although there are daffodils now already in bloom where I am. And, um, you know, so so we will still have signs of spring happening, even if spring hasn't sprung yet. So there's a few things that I'll do. Um, I have a weekly practice of of wild swimming with a group of, of women that I meet up on, uh, up on Dartmoor. And we crazily, that's what I've just come in from now, uh, we were swimming outside and it's snowing and you know on the way over and it's really cold and windy so there's there's always an element of wild swimming around that time and really focusing on for the for me Imolk is very much a watery festival it's a very you know it's it's very much about moon 
um themes and the unconscious and what's coming up from the depths for you and it's about birth and starting again and and sort of preparing the way for what's happening um in the next few months so I've got a few things because I've got new projects starting I've got swimming happening I've got a circle that will be happening with the coven and you know that'll that'll be one way of celebrating it but I also think on my own I like to just have that quiet moment when I'm out walking with with scout in the mornings before the sun comes up usually and I have that sunrise experience while I'm walking her which is lovely which sounds drastic but obviously in winter that's easy you just have to be out before eight o'clock um and I think there's that moment, isn't there, when the sun comes up on, on any festival day, there's that moment of just acknowledging it, even if, like I said, it's just while you're out walking or doing what you normally do. Because I think sometimes we think that celebrating a festival happens to be a, has to be a special event where you have all the candles and cast the circle and do all of that kind of thing and for me sometimes it's just in the day-to-day -day practice it's in the getting out in the in the hedgerows and seeing what's what's coming up where the signs of life are and I see things visibly or is it still hidden and um you know so it'll be it'll be in the daily practice I think for me Sorry, I was talking and I didn't realise I was <laughs> muted myself. Um, so lastly, um, where can people find you on the socials? Ah, that's a really good, another good question. Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram using my own name. So I'm, I, when I first published, um, I wasn't... Uh, awake enough to think do I need a do I need a pen name so I just uh, the first book I wrote I published in my own name and then thought oh it's a bit late now to think about that so I'm out there as Rebecca Beattie on Facebook and Instagram and I also have a website where you can find me that's got a blog and that's uh, rebeccabeattie.co.uk because it's again not very imaginative in terms of naming I'm just there as me <laughs> I mean, Amazing. We'll make sure get all those links in the description. Yes, I'm writing them down now so I can put them in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us, Rebecca. My pleasure. Uh, nice it's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, cool. it's lovely to meet you. Hopefully our paths will cross again. Yeah. Um, for everyone listening, the Wheel of the Year is out in hardback now and available in all good bookshops. And I believe it's out in paperback in the summer as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. At yes. some point. Yes, so, I should know the date. If I was, if I was, a, <laughs> you know, if, I was, if it's in the right way, I would know exactly what date the paperback comes out. But I think that the hard, I love the hardback so much because it's really tactile. I'm oh just, yeah, I love yeah. the hardback. It's it's nice to have a hardback <laughs> book instead of a paperback. You know, everything's so often got exactly. a paperback. But uh, yeah, no, I love the hardback. It's lovely, lovely. So yeah, thanks for coming. Um, my pleasure. Yeah, it's been lovely chatting with you. Yeah, nice to meet you both. Yes, and um, yeah. like I said, hopefully our paths will cross again. And um, yes, definitely might, might have a definitely. have a word with our friends at Witchfest and see if we can get you in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I've I've been thinking for years I'd love to do Witchfest and I haven't I haven't done it yet. But I always I always think that would be a really good thing to do. So yeah, I'd definitely be up for that. I am I'm doing the occult conference in Glastonbury in. Uh, next month um 
and various kind of literary festivals as well which is quite nice getting it out into the outside world but yeah I'd love to do Witch Fest don't worry we're we're friends with the organizers we'll get this right (laughs) (laughs) it's always good to know people know isn't it it is isn't it it is yeah no that would be good that'd be really good yeah definitely cool this has been Witching Around with your hosts Regan Shanti and Jenny Cartledge. It was developed by Regan Shanti and is sponsored by Witchfest. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook by searching A Witch's Podcast. Remember to rate, review and subscribe on Spotify. It helps other people to find the podcast. Our intro-outro music was From the Ashes by Solas. Thank you for walking this path with us. Merry, Merry meet and blessed be. be.